Well, I, I, uh, I'll say good morning again. I didn't introduce myself a few minutes ago when I was up here. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you have been around Faith Church recently, you may know that we have been teaching our way through the Old Testament book of Daniel. Uh, in a series of messages we've called Thriving in Babylon. And you might wonder, last week we took a break from that. Today we're taking a break from that. Uh, Last week we had our missionaries here uh, with us. And today um, we have opportunity to hear from God's word through uh, someone in our church family. And I'll introduce him in just a moment. Um, But we will get back to Thriving in Babylon. We will finish our study in Daniel the next two Sundays, uh, starting next Sunday. So uh, looking forward to that. But you know, that's an opportunity. This, this morning is an opportunity for me to just say something that you observe. And that's that uh, as part of my role as lead pastor, uh, I am the most frequent one to teach us from God's word. And yet I only teach from God's word probably 60 to 65% of Sundays. And that's by design. I love to do it. And God helps me to teach from God's word. But that's by design. By design, we have others, uh, multiple others in our church family uh, who uh, come and share with us from God's word. Why? Because we, church family, want to hear from God through his word, the scriptures in your Bible. And, and we can do that because it's God's word. And we can do that as, as a variety of voices help us do that, right? So that's the way we do it around here in terms of our Sundays and our times in God's Word. So with that, I want to bring our friend Don Anderson up here to join us. Let's welcome Don. If you don't know my friend Don Anderson and his wife Diane is right there in the second row, um, I want you to know them. Many of you know them. Some of you don't yet. And now this Sunday is a great opportunity to get to hear Don's heart a little bit. And I, and I would love for you to meet him and meet Diane if you haven't already. Um, I won't say much, but Don and Diane are an encouragement to me. <laughs> See, that's why I can't say much. <laughs> so I'll just be done. They, they've been an encouragement to me and Amy uh, all along the way, and especially at a couple of critical junctures. So... Sorry, Don. <laughs> it's all right. I didn't plan to cry. Never apologize no, for, I, real, I, I for real tears. Uh, yes, no. Never so apologize. anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad for him to be here, and I'm glad for you to know him, and I'm thankful that you're bringing us into Thank God's you. word this morning, Thank brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Good morning. What a surprise, huh? Fortunately, I knew about this ahead of time. <laughs> Today, you get to hear from God's word from one of the more senior guys here at Faith Church. You know, uh, if you know anything about my background and kind of where I am or what I do, on most Tuesdays, you'll find me serving as a docent volunteer up at the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum in McMinnville. It's one of my passions, my whole life, astronomy, space travel, especially human space travel. Love all that kind of stuff. Now, one of my favorite things to do when I'm up at the museum is to talk with kids when they come to visit. And I like to tell them with a very solemn voice, you know, I've lived so long that I remember when the only thing going around the earth was the moon. (laughs) And some of us who also have lived so long chuckle and laugh, but believe it or not, that was actually true, where only the moon was going around the earth. You know, uh, as you can see in this picture probably a little bit, I I like to look at a couple of these faces. Yeah, sure. You know, a little bit of skepticism creeping in there, right? So it's always greeted with some degree of, eh, because it's incomprehensible. 
If you're born and raised in this time, and you know that there are literally multiple thousands of satellites, let alone hundreds of thousands of pieces of junk going around the earth, you, you kind of want to say to yourself, really? Where's the evidence for that claim? And that's a very good question to ask any time. Where is the evidence for that claim? Now, this should be changing, but it's not. There we go. Good. Gonna keep an eye over the back of my shoulder here to kind of see where we are. All right, I'll accept that. I'm always fascinated by the perspective of kids. And they come with a whole different way of looking at things than we do most of the time. It's so refreshing sometimes to see things from a child's point of view, and it takes a little effort to do that. For example, a mother was trying to really hard get ketchup to come out of a bottle that she'd just taken out of the fridge, and she could not get it to flow. Have you ever had that experience? Anybody ever had that? You turn that bottle upside down, it will not come out until the least opportune moment when you're not ready for it. So she was smacking the bottle this way, and she was smacking the bottle that way. Nothing was coming out. And the phone rang, as it always does when you're really trying to accomplish something else. So she asked her four-year-old daughter to answer it. She picked up the phone and talked for a minute and said, It's the minister, Mommy. But then before her mom could do anything about it, she added, Mommy can't come to the phone right now. She's hitting the bottle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that actually was said. Or how about Zach, who came screaming out of the bathroom and, and told his dad he'd accidentally dropped his toothbrush into, can you believe it? The toilet. Dad fished it out. And this was an appropriate thing to do immediately threw it into the garbage. Zach stood there for a moment, studied him carefully, and then ran into his parents' bathroom and came back with his dad's toothbrush and said, you know, um, Dad, you better throw this one away too because I accidentally dropped it into your toilet a couple of days ago. (laughs) I love this one. How about the little girl who rode along with her mom, who would go around delivering Meals on Wheels to a number of elderly shut-ins in the community. And, you know, interestingly, one by one, the various apparatus and equipments and appliances of old age would show up that she'd not seen before, like walkers and canes and wheelchairs, and had lots of questions. Each one in its own way absolutely intrigued her. Toward the end of their rounds, sure enough, Her mother found her staring at a pair of false teeth sitting in a glass. Mom braced herself for the inevitable barrage of questions. But all the little girl did was simply turn to her and say with wide eyes, the tooth fairy is never going to believe this. (laughs) I so admire the parent who sent this note along with her first grader to hand to his teacher on the very first day of school. The opinions expressed by this child are not necessarily those of his parents. Yeah, you might keep that in mind yourself sometime. little disclaimer ahead of time. But you know, the important thing is to remember that with kids, 
you learn after a while to expect the unexpected. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a boy, you noticed that, huh? When I was a boy, we didn't have anything like children's church or going off to the hub or anything like that. After Sunday school, we had to come into the church service in our wool little suits and ties and sit there through the entire service, just like you are. And unlike most of you here at Faith Church, I mean, I see lots of pair of eyes looking up here, so this is helpful. I used to have a terrible time staying awake in the service, especially during the pastor's sermon. The gyrations I went through to try to keep myself from obviously falling asleep would have filled an entire America's Funniest Home Video segment all by itself. That's why I was so impressed with this guy. Have you ever seen such creativity? I mean, it gives whole new meaning to the term hairstyling, doesn't it? All I can say is, why didn't I think of that way back when? But by the way, I will be casually inspecting the tops of your heads as you walk out and leave after church today, just to be sure. Early on, I said something about the moon and my awareness that there was a time when only that was going around the earth. So not only is my earlier claim about the moon actually true, but I have been alive so long that I can actually remember when there was no NCIS show on TV. Now, how many of you have ever watched an episode of NCIS? Yeah, look at that. Now, that's not unusual because it's been the number one show off and on for, believe it, are you ready for this? 20 years. That show's been running for 20 years. And like almost every other successful TV show, the original has spun off multiple versions. They always will. So, first of all, there was NCS Los Angeles, followed by NCS New Orleans, and most recently, NCS Hawaii. Now, these shows are called police procedurals, and they come in two types. One of them is, who done it? We don't know, the, the, the actors don't know, the keys in, in the show don't know, and we all follow it from beginning to end, trying to figure out who's the guilty party. But there's another one that's also really popular, and that's called How Catch Em. So at the beginning, we do know who did it, but the people trying to figure it out don't on the show. And the fascination is watching the show go along as they figure out what we already know. Now, the important thing to keep in mind here in all these shows, the goal is that it's important to look for and discover, and then apply, which is not changing. We're not, ah, did we go backward? There we go. Um, to look for, discover, and then apply the evidence. In many ways, our lives are like these procedural shows. We can so easily lose our way when it comes to living as God both designed it for us and intends for us to live it, particularly when we lose the ability to see God's work happening in our individual lives from day to day. 
So this morning, we're going to be looking for evidence. Good. Now, there's an author who's written a pretty cool book. And this book, written by Karen Maines, is called The God Hunt. And in its most helpful book, she lists four categories where we can look to see more clearly and actually find God at work in and through our lives. First, any obvious answers. There we go. Any obvious answers to prayer. Secondly, any unexpected evidence of his care. Third, any unusual linkage or timing of events. And, whoops, I did that accidentally. Can we get me back? And fourth one, good. Any help to do his work in the world. So these four really cool areas, and I find them to be quite helpful as far as training myself to be able to see God actually at work in my life. Now, this morning, we're going to be investigating category number two, any unexpected evidence of his care. You know, God actually expects us to look for him. If you and I are intentional in our search, if we truly learn how to look, we should be able to find evidence every day that God has his hand on our lives because that's what his word tells us. So when looking for evidence, evidence of God at work in our lives, we also need to be alert. We need to be alert expecting the unexpected. And I thank Pastor Derek who just before I got up here, told you I was coming because you didn't come in here this morning knowing that this was going to happen. So expecting the unexpected, you thought you were going to be in Babylon, right? But you must feel like Dorothy in the land of Oz, going, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Only here it would be, I don't think we're in Babylon today. What is happening? Now, not to worry, just to not get you completely displaced from a timeline, we'll be in the Old Testament, but not in the story of Daniel this particular Sunday. And as you've heard, we'll pick that up again next week. So I would like to encourage you to open your Bibles or your app if you have that, or follow along on the screen as we encounter an amazing story found in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 9. Now, we normally use a very helpful translation of Scripture called the English Standard Version here at Faith. But this morning, I'm going to be using something called the New Living Translation of the Bible because it's very conversational. And this is a story where people are talking. So it's just kind of helpful for me to use this particular uh, way of looking at the Scriptures so that we all can access it a little bit more. Now, first, let me set the scene for you. The northern kingdom, the upper part of Israel, in Old Testament times, had completely pulled away 
from a faithful following of God. The ten tribes out of twelve of Israel had basically seceded from the southern two. The king of Aram, or an area in the world that we would basically call Syria today, had laid siege to the capital city of these ten northern tribes. Siege is never a good idea to be in a city. You haven't been taken by the enemy yet, but things start to really dwindle away. And food was getting very scarce. What was still available was very expensive. Scripture even tells us that some people were resorting to cannibalism during this time. You'll see that in today's scripture, four men with a skin disease the Bible refers to as leprosy, who according to Jewish cleanliness laws are not even allowed into the city, are ready to surrender themselves to the enemy. They are starving and desperate. When it comes to your awareness of God's hand on you, you really see God at work in your life. Have you ever felt this way? You're kind of a little bit starving and maybe a little bit desperate, like, why isn't that happening to me? Why am I not having that experience? Are you perhaps there right now, here this morning, as you're listening to these words? They can't go into the city. It is forbidden. And they would die of starvation or even be killed if they did. And they can't just sit outside the gate either. They'll die of starvation. So they make a really interesting decision. They decide to go to the enemy camp in the middle of the night. Now, this would be a good idea for you to pick up one of these little outlines, if you would like, because we're going to step through this together, and I just find it helpful. Some people learn best by listening. Some people learn best by having something on a screen to look at. Some people learn best by writing things down or kind of following where something goes. So if any or all of these things work for you, that's what this little outline is for. Even if you don't have one, the message will come to you now in, in kind of an easy-to-follow outline form. So I would encourage you to do whatever one of those things is most helpful to you at the moment. What in the world can you and I learn from a really old story about lepers? It's another surprise, right? Unexpected surprise. Oh boy, we're going to talk about lepers this morning. Now, unless you're a dermatologist, that probably is going to get you real excited. We can learn some very important life lessons, the first of which is this. Expecting the unexpected, be ready for surprises. Expecting the unexpected, be ready for surprises. Be ready for surprises when you're in God's family. Why? Well, it may seem pretty obvious, but it's kind of neat to know that God is full of good surprises. And we want to teach ourselves and learn how to look for them. The four lepers in our story today experienced quite a surprise. Let's follow along in verses 3 through 5. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. There we go. We will starve if we stay here. And we will starve if we go back into the city. 
So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. Now we're going to come to verse 5. And I'd like you to just read this along with me. Look it up at the screen. Let's do this all together in unison. Ready? Yeah, where did it go? <laughs> there we go. All right, let's read this together. And thank you, Andy. Ready? Here we go. So that evening, they went out to the camp of the Arameans, but no one was there. How cool is that? These four guys set out thinking they were going to have one kind of experience, only to find out that things were completely and radically different from what they expected, but not from what God had prepared for them. Our God is full of good surprises for his people, just like this one. And he's been providing these kind of surprises for a really, really long time. For example, one day Adam woke up from a nap, and boy, did he get a surprise. He was missing a rib, but he gained a life partner. God did this for Adam because he saw that he was alone, and it was not good for him. I love the story of Noah, who was minding his own business when God called him into the shipbuilding business right in the middle of the desert. And when the flood to end all floods came along, Noah sure realized that this unexpected call on his life was really unexpected evidence of God's care. I could tell you Bible stories like this all day long. But what I really want you to know and to grasp this morning, this is the most important thing about these little stories, is that God is still writing these stories in your life and in mine. They aren't just in the Old Testament. They aren't just in the New Testament. They are still happening today, every day, around us and with us and through us. God is still writing these stories in your life and in mine. We just need to learn how to be good detectives. And like good detectives, look for the evidence and you will find it. God has been and is still on the scene caring for you and caring for me. So be first, ready for surprises when you're in God's family. The second thing we learn from these four men is this. Be eager to share the wealth. Be eager to share what God leads you to find with those who are in need. The lepers found so much stuff that they hardly knew what to do with it. But that didn't last long because as human beings, they soon remembered and realized that others are hungry too. Not only are we wanting to have these evidences of God's working in and through our lives, but other people do too. So after the lepers did their party hearty and sleep till you drop thing, how about shop till you drop thing? They were awake. Verse 9 brought them back to their senses. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is wonderful news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. 
If we wait until morning, some terrible calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. It is so important to share what you discover by telling other people about the evidences of God's unexpected care in your life. We talk about almost everything else that's going on around us. Why doesn't this get to become a part of our natural conversation? Your experience is your experience. And people cannot refute something that's actually happened to you. You are free to share your experience. I encourage you to write these things down as you find these evidences of God's unexpected care in your life. Write them down so that you remember God's faithfulness and be encouraged. But also share them with others to encourage them concerning God's faithfulness. Sharing these stories is a real faith builder for you and for many that you'll share them with. So when it comes to seeing what God does, experiencing it, we want to learn to be able to as well, just like the guys in this story, share the wealth with those in need. Like today's four men, you never know. You might run into someone who feels that God has abandoned them. In fact, you may be one of those people sitting here this morning. That's one of the reasons why you came to church. Is God even here? Am I going to be aware of any care that God has for me? When people hear about unexpected evidence of God's care, then they too can begin to be encouraged to start looking for similar evidences themselves. So we've learned first to be ready for surprises when you're in God's family. And second, we've learned that you must be eager to share the wealth you find with others who are in need as God provides for your needs. That's part of the circle of blessing. As God provides your needs, be on the lookout to provide the needs of others. The third thing we can learn from today's story this morning is this. Be prepared to enjoy God's gifts. Be prepared as you look for evidence, as you share what God's doing in your life. Be prepared to enjoy God's gifts. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. Need to advance? There you go. Thank you. The Lord had caused the whole army of Aram to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried out. So they panicked and fled into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else, and they fled for their lives. When the lepers... Back up here. 33? There you go, thank you. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating, drinking wine, and carrying out silver, and gold, and clothing, and hiding it. 
I believe that these four guys probably had the best meal of their entire lives that night. And it gave God pleasure for them to be able to get this unexpected evidence of his care. Linda Richardson from Wheaton, Illinois, is a speech therapist who works with autistic children in the public school system. One of her toughest assignments was assisting a new five-year-old student by the name of Wendy to adjust to these totally unfamiliar surroundings for her chaotic and crazy environment of the classroom. And here was her challenge. How could this be done? How could she assist Wendy who did not have language skills. I mean, we use words for everything. Linda and her colleagues devised a very clever visual schedule that would lead Wendy through her day-to-day using pictures and symbols placed strategically on a chart. With this visual tool, Wendy settled comfortably into a routine until her father came to pick her up at the end of the school day. The little girl went into a frantic, panic reaction. In fact, she kicked and screamed, and it took three adults to be able to carry her and put her into the family car. Over years of working with autistic children, Linda had learned to follow what seems like a completely backward rule. Don't just do something, stand there. Doesn't that sound wrong? Because with our helpful instincts, we always say, don't just stand there, do something. But the quick reaction is often the wrong reaction for children with autism. What had caused Wendy's extreme behavior? And how could this child be helped? The teachers and leaders needed to stop for a minute and, whoop. Sorry about that, Andy, that was me. To be able to stop for a minute, look, and listen to what had happened. This is a new remote, and I'm a little guy. So we're still in the process of linking these things up, and I thank you for your patience. Talk about unexpected things as you're here this morning. So listen to what happened. Linda, who is a devout Christian and wants to serve these children and their families from the love and the faith that God has given her, along with her professional team of colleagues, chose one more symbol to add to Wendy's chart. On the visual schedule, they pasted a picture of her father. The next time he pulled up outside the school to pick up his daughter, Wendy was shown his picture. There was no kicking and no screaming. In fact, Wendy cried out, Papa, when her father arrived. Even though most children with autism do not greet spontaneously. She calmly and quietly walked to the car and got in. How are you doing in your own life? 
when it comes to developing the skills needed to stop, look, and listen for evidence of God's presence, evidence of his care in your life? Have you trained your mind's eye so that when you see unexpected evidence of his care in your life, you too can cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, in loving appreciation and thankfulness? Let me share a couple of thoughts with you about getting better at expecting the unexpected from my own personal experience. First, finding evidence takes practice. Finding evidence takes practice. It takes intentionality, which is a fancy word for practice, to learn how to find evidence that God's hand is on your life and focus in on it. Author C.S. Lewis once wrote, and, and soon you will be able to read it for yourself. We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito, and the incognito is not always easy to penetrate. The real labor is to remember to attend. Now, that's an old-fashioned word that we don't use much now, but it's an old-fashioned way of saying, apply your mind and pay attention. That's what attending is. In fact, to come awake, still more, to remain awake. A new recruit does not step out of the police academy door and immediately become a seasoned detective. It takes further training and years of practice in looking for, finding, and interpreting the evidence. Secondly, don't give up. Do not give up if you come up with a blank from time to time. That does not mean God is no longer involved in your life. It just means it's time to refocus and get some more practice out into the field of life. And eventually, this can become a way of life. It literally second nature. And you'll be on your way to a lifetime of seeing God's presence in your everyday life experiences. Third and last... Keep on seeking and you will keep on finding. In order to get good at looking for evidence and expecting the unexpected, first, be ready for surprises. Got it. Be ready for surprises when you are in God's family. Secondly, good. be eager to share the wealth God leads you to find with those who are in need. And lastly, where did it go? There was a third one there.
Lastly, be prepared to enjoy God's gifts. Think about what happened with these four guys in our scripture for today. They experienced almost overwhelmingly unexpected evidence of God's care, far beyond anything they could have imagined or hoped for. What's the point of this story for us today? Simply this. Learn to look for the same kind of evidence and expect the unexpected in your own life. How much more do you think that God would love to do for those of us here this morning who seek him with all our hearts? We are not outcasts, even though in our culture it can feel that way from time to time. We are not lepers. We are children of God himself. And if I were in an African-American church, I would say, can I have an amen? Absolutely. That is awesome. God is filled with wonderfully unexpected surprises for those who seek him with all their heart. You want to see God at work in your life? Learn to look for evidence of God at work in your life. See him in unexpected evidence of his care. And as salt and light in this world, Bring your report of God's goodness to those around you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for your word, for a seemingly obscure story, but so applicable to us today in this crazy world in which we live. Thank you that you are in the business of unexpectedly and graciously and generously blessing those who are members of your family. May we learn to see those blessings. May we learn to recognize them and keep track of them. And may we learn to share them with others around us who may know you or who may not. Father, we will give you thanks in advance for these good works in the lives of other people that you prepare for us to do. And I pray this in the power, the presence, and provision of Jesus' name. Amen.